pray this finds you having a blessed, wonderful day. Looking forward to getting into our topic today. And uh, we are in the, if you want to call it, the fourth installment of um, why I believe that we in our personal lives and the church are really in a state of struggling, um, dead and dying. Uh, Last week, we looked at the idea of emotional experience versus spiritual steadfastness, and we talked about how that, um, unfortunately, emotionalism and living based on our emotions has really kind of taken over. Um, Today, we're going to be talking about something, and I'll be honest, I know that this one is going to, uh, there's a lot of people that'll take offense to this one. Um, just simply for the fact of where we're at um, in our culture today. Um, And the idea is extracurricular versus surrendered service. And I know that there's many people that are immediately going to go to, um, you know, whether it be um, sports, whether it be extracurriculars after school, whatever it may be, Um, I'm not here to sit down and pass judgment. I'm not here to list anything specifically. Uh, I know that there are certain, especially um, in today's culture, there are certain people that will um, get up and just kind of fire off on certain things. Um, I'm not going to do that today. Um, But I also know that the moment that you start mentioning things like this, um, it riles people up. Um, it riles, and I hate to say this, I think it does because of conviction. Uh, and I'm just going to leave that there. I'm not going to sit down and say what's right and what's wrong uh, in my eyes. But uh, I will say that I think sometimes when we become, <coughs> excuse me, super passionate about something, that we feel like we need to defend it, um, there is a good possibility that it might be because of conviction. And so I want us to be able to look at this idea of extracurriculars because I'm not just talking um, about um, children and sports and um, the arts and clubs and things. I'm not. I'm, I'm talking about our lives overall, adults, children, everybody. I'm looking at our lives from the idea of extracurricular and surrendered service. And I want us to be able to look at God's word for this. Now, one of the other problems, we're going to look at four specific things that I think really play into this, but we're going to go to the book of Acts. And if there's one thing that I think frustrates me about our culture today and God's word is that it's so often that I hear, and and not just from unsaved people, from unchurched people, but from supposedly saved and church people, that there are a lot of thoughts and schools of thought that the, if you want to say it this way, that the Bible is kind of out of date that the mindset or the the workings of the Bible are out of date, that um, we can't apply certain things biblically 
We can't apply certain things that we see in Scripture because times have changed. Um, I know even one of the things, and, and, and it could probably be applied to the passage that I'm getting ready to read out of the book of Acts, and that would be this, is, <coughs> excuse me, they lived, a, they lived a life that was a lot slower paced. They lived a life that was a lot less busy. Um, they lived a life that didn't require as much of them. Well, I would actually argue against that. I think that there was as much going on for them as there is for us today. And, and, and I'll even take it a step further. I think you're as busy as you create stuff for you to do. You can be as busy as you want to be, or you can have as much time as you want to have. It's just up to you. And in the book of Acts chapter 2, and I want to start off with this because I believe that this is going to be the crux of what we're talking about. In the book of Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 42, after Peter preaches, thousands of people get saved. It says that they, these new believers, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. What we find here in the early church is that when these people got saved, their lives changed. They didn't just get saved so they wouldn't go to hell. They got saved and their lives were completely different they began to revolve their life around this newfound faith that they had. They revolved every aspect of their life around this newfound faith that they had. They, if you notice, every day they went to the temple and they prayed together. They worshiped together. They regularly broke bread together. They ate meals together. They fellowship together regularly. They made sure that the priority in their life was this new faith that they had found. And they weren't worried about all this other stuff. They were mainly worried about, are we living our lives in such a way that it reflects that we belong to this new faith? I had a conversation yesterday in one of our Bible studies. We were talking, and we were talking about this idea of, well, you know, we're we're kind of struggling. I've got a fa uh, one of the one of the people brought up this this comment. They said I've got a family member, and they say that they're Christians, but they've not gone to church in over twenty years. They don't have anything to do with church. They don't have anything to do with any kind of you know fellowship, whatever it may be. But yet they call themselves Christians. But are they really? And I thought that was a fascinating question to pose. And I know that the first thing that you're going to hear fired off from a lot of people, and some who may be listening to this, the first thing that you said when 
You heard me make that comment was, well, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. Well, you do to be a good one. And you do to be an obedient one. Because the Bible says in Hebrews 10, 25, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. We also realize that the local church is the only place where you can work out your spiritual gifts that God has given us. We understand that the purpose of the, the body of believers is to fellowship together. No one is a Lone Ranger Christian. And so to sit down and talk about the idea of someone who says, well, I don't, I don't need to fellowship. I don't, and see, that's the problem. It's not so much that I don't need to go to church. What you're saying is, is I don't need to fellowship with other brothers and sisters in Christ. I don't need to worship corporately. I don't need to do these different... Well, that goes against what we just read in the book of Acts. These people actually made it their priority to be able to worship together. They made it their priority to be able to fellowship together. And what we do is we look at it and we've made church into a sermon. And so what we do is we say, well, I don't need to go to church to hear a sermon. I can listen to a podcast. I can listen to sermons that I, I, I can pull up anybody <coughs> that I want to pull up. Right now you have access to thousands of churches that you can pull up Um whatever pastor you want to pull up. You can pull up their sermons. You can listen to it while you're driving to work. You can listen to it on your earbuds while you're outside working, whatever it may be. You don't have to go to a church service, a worship service to be able to hear a sermon anymore. And so what we do is we've, we've kind of boiled down church into a sermon. And so we make this comment, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. What you're doing is you're just trying to do what James said. You're just being a hearer and not a doer. You're just hearing the word, but you're not actually doing the word. And the problem is, is Jesus said, you must be obedient to follow me, which means doing, not just hearing. You must deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow after me if you want to be a disciple. And so that's the groundwork that we're wanting to lay with this, is this idea that we have really redefined what being a Christian is. We've taken what God's Word says about what it means to be an obedient follower, what it means to um, do what God would ask us to do, and we've changed that and we've redefined it into what's convenient for us. So with this idea of extracurricular versus surrendered service, um, and again, I want to make sure that you understand now what I'm talking about. I'm not just talking about extracurricular activities. But that's the, by using that phrase, I'm, I'm sure a lot of people thought that. So now that we kind of get the gist of what we're going into, here's the first one that I want us to be able to look at. And it's this idea of busyness. If there's one thing that I can say that I'm going to hear from almost every individual that I talk to on a weekly basis when I ask them, how they're doing and what's going on, the word busy or I'm so busy, however you want to phrase it, is going to come up multiple times out of their mouths. Everyone right now is so busy and no one has any time for anything. I think that is, if there was a blanket statement <clears throat> that we could put on the majority of people in today's culture, it's that Everyone is so busy and no one has time for anything. Now, the question that I want to ask and the question that I want to be able to sit down and, and think about is this. Are we really that busy? 
I actually had lunch with a pastor friend yesterday who has been on sabbatical. And he made a very interesting statement to me. He actually has been on a three-month sabbatical. And he said that a pastor, a local pastor, come up to him. And he pastors, if you want to say this, a rather um, large church in the sense of attendance. And the local pastor come up to him and said, So, hey, how's that sabbatical going for you? He said, Well, actually, it's going really well. He said, uh, this is something that I've needed in order to just really restore my walk with the Lord, to slow down, to realize that a lot of the things that I had made a priority, uh, they really weren't. A lot of the things that I was investing my time in, I needed to make sure that I pulled back from. And he said, I realized how much I was neglecting my family, um, how much I was putting the ministry in front of my family. Um, He said, there's a lot of things, he said, that God has been teaching me, and I'm so thankful for it. And he said, Jeremiah, he said, you won't believe the words that come out of this guy's mouth next. He said, because it let me know he didn't listen to anything I just said. He said, this local pastor looked at me and said, well, that's good for you. I guess for me, after about three or four days, I'd go crazy because I just love to stay busy. And so after about three or four days, I'd go crazy on a sabbatical like that, and I couldn't make it because I just have to be busy doing stuff. And I want you to just let that settle in for just a minute. Because I want to ask the question, do we really have to be as busy as we are, or are we making ourselves busy because that's what we think makes us look important? Because if you talk to people around, and I'm just going to be honest with you right now, if you were to sit down and talk to a significant amount of people, and I'm even talking about pastors in general, if you're not busy, you're not actually serving the Lord, is the mentality that they go with. If your schedule is not absolutely jam-packed as a pastor... You're not really serving the Lord. That's the idea and the mentality that is prevalent. There has been numerous times that I have called up a pastor, sent a pastor a message, and just said, Hey, why don't we catch why don't we just catch up today and do lunch? Oh, brother, I'm telling you, my schedule's so busy, I don't know that I could find 30 minutes to fit you in today. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? You you can't find 30 minutes in your day to fit me in. But yet that is the mentality that we live in our culture today is that we're so busy and my schedule is so packed. I don't know that I have time. Well, I go back to the passage in the book of Acts. How was it that these people who lived in an agrarian culture, who their their lives depended on them growing their own food, and, and that was their livelihood and their business, and yet all of these people had time every day to be able to go to the temple and pray and fellowship and worship. They had time to eat together. They had time to do all of these things together and make serving the Lord their priority, but yet we're so busy we can't, we can't fellowship with each other. Can, can I put in something that I think is, is really important, and that's this. 
Could it be that the enemy, Satan, is making us so busy in order to isolate us from each other? Because one of the greatest tools that Satan uses is isolation. He loves to isolate us away from other believers. So that way, our times of fellowship are diminished. Could it be that the enemy is making us so busy that we're running ourselves ragged and we don't seem to have time for the Lord? We don't seem to have time to study. We don't have time to pray. We don't have time to be in the Bible. We don't have time to worship. It's amazing how many people that I've talked to that will spend all day Saturday doing some type of extracurricular activity and will tell me that, well, you know, we were just so tired from everything we did yesterday, we couldn't go to church today. So you're telling me that you couldn't be able to muster up enough energy after having fun all day on Saturday that you couldn't muster up enough energy to come for an hour and a half and worship the Lord corporately with a, a few other people. See, that's the scary part that we're allowing ourselves to get into is that we're putting more emphasis on the extracurriculars than we are about what we're supposed to be doing. Which brings me to the next one, which goes along with the busyness and that is the idea of time and what we invest our time in. See, the thing is, every one of us have the same exact amount of time. We have 24 hours. Every human being that is alive and breathing right now has 24 hours that they can invest in whatever they see is important. <coughs> what are you willing to invest your time in? I know that we have to dedicate X amount of hours to sleep. I know that we have to dedicate X amount of hours to our job. But do you realize that even while you're dedicating your time to your job, you can still be dedicating your time to the Lord? You can spend time praying. You can spend time worshiping. You can be able to do all of that while you are at work. When we have our time that we want to call free time, how are we investing that time? See, that, that is a surefire way of helping us to understand where our heart really lies. Jesus said it this way, wherever your treasures are, there will your heart be also. In essence, here's what he's saying. Whatever you invest your time in, that's going to show what matters to you most. So if you were to sit down and add up throughout the week, how much time you invest in reading your Bible, how much time you invest in praying, how much time you invest in worshiping, and let's just use this one, compared to the amount of time you spend on your phone, how do you think that would add up? How do you think, I know we, we used this analogy in our um, student ministry Sunday school class the other day. And some of the kids were telling me that on average, because sometimes your phone will tell you this, but they said on average they spend a minimum of four hours a day on their phone. And I asked them this question. I said, okay, so you're spending four hours a day on your phone. How much time are you spending in God's Word and praying? And I asked them this question. I said, could you say that you're spending at least 15 minutes a day reading your Bible and praying, and they said no. So I said, we're spending four hours on our phone, 
But we're not even spending 15 minutes when it comes to being in God's Word and spending time in prayer. I said, does it not show where our hearts really are? Does it not show where our love really is when we're willing to invest all this time into this extracurricular, which would be our phone in this example that we're using, but yet not in just spending time with God? And see, we wonder why so many people really don't understand what the Christian life is. We wonder why so many people don't understand what it means to live the Christian life. Why so many Christians are just struggling today. Why so many Christians are sitting down and, and, and they're, they're, they're not enjoying their walk with the Lord. They don't feel like they're deepening in their walk with the Lord. Well, it's because we're not investing the amount of time that we need to invest in it. We're not giving that kind of time that needs to be invested. The only way that something begins to mean something and something begins to matter is the investment in it. You know, you go back, and I think I've used this example before, but when I was, a, uh, high, when I was in high school and I was a teenager, I remember that uh, there was a lot of kids that their parents bought them vehicles. And I remember there was this one kid in particular, and his parents uh, bought him a brand new Ford Mustang. And I remember I had to work my rear end off in order to be able to try to earn money. I mowed yards. Oh, that's all I did was I mowed yards in order to try to save up as much money as I could to try to find me a good used vehicle that I could find. And I remember that I was able to save up enough money to be able to help to purchase a 1993 Dodge Dakota, five-speed, and that thing meant the world to me because I had put so much effort, so much time, so much investment in mowing yards to be able to get that vehicle. And I remember that the guy whose parents bought him the Ford Mustang, he didn't have it six months and he wrecked it and totaled it. His parents went back out and bought him another brand new Ford Mustang and not much longer after that, he wrecked it and totaled that one too. And they bought him another one. He didn't care. He had no investment in it. To him, it was just something that was handed to him. And he didn't take any pride in it. He didn't... And guess what? I had that Dodge Dakota till the wheels were run off of that thing to the point to where we were we, we traded it in and that thing was just about on its last leg I babied that vehicle I washed it as regular as I could I tried to make sure that thing was spotless as much as I, I'd done everything I could because when you invest time in something it matters and part of the reason why we have dead and dying Christians right now and we have Christians who are unsatisfied in their Christian walk is because they're not investing any time into their spiritual walk. They show up maybe on a Sunday morning, once every blue moon, they hear a sermon, and then they just kind of go about their normal day-to-day -day lives and they're not investing anything into it. Which brings us to number three. Not only do we have a problem with busyness, we have a problem with investment of our time. And now I want to make this statement that goes along with that. What's important to you, you make time for. Another way of saying it is whatever you love, you'll make time for. Whatever is important to you, you will make time for. And so if we're sitting down and we're saying... 
<clears throat> that we love Jesus. I love Jesus with my whole heart. But if you look at the most precious thing that you have, and that is time, it's not your money, it's not your family, the most precious thing that you have is time because that's the one thing that you have you'll never be able to get back. Once you spend your 24 hours today, you'll never get that 24 hours back. It's gone forever. So how are you going to invest it? How are you going to use that 24-hour gift that's been given to you? Well, if you really love the Lord, are, are the things that you do today going to show that you love the Lord? Is the way that you live your life today going to show that you love the Lord? Or is it one of those things that today, if I were to follow you around, I couldn't tell the difference between you and an unsaved, unchurched person. There's nothing in your life that's going to show me that you're walking with the Lord. There's nothing in your life that's going to show me that you're dedicating your time to the Lord, that you're investing in your relationship with the Lord. I used this example here not long ago with our church. And I said, if I were to sit down and tell you that I absolutely love my children, that I love my two boys more than anything in this world, but I only spend one day a week with them and I only spend one hour in that one day with them. Are you going to say that I'm a good father? Probably not. As a matter of fact, what you'd be doing is you'd be looking at it and saying, well, why aren't you spending more time with them? If you say you love them so much, why aren't you spending more time with them? It's the same thing that applies to our walk with the Lord. We got so many people that love to talk about how much that they love the Lord, but yet when you look at the amount of time that they invest in their walk with the Lord, they don't have time to serve the Lord, but it's amazing how we have time for everything else. We've got time for every kind of possible extracurricular that we want to do, but when it comes to being surrendered to what the Lord has asked us to do, we just don't have a whole lot of time for it. We're so busy with so many other things. And if you go back to the book of Acts, one of the things that I said at the beginning when we read that passage is one of the things that I think that this used to be what the scenario was. But unfortunately, I think it's changed as well. And that is that our lives should revolve around serving the Lord as the priority more than anything else. When you look at these new believers in the book of Acts, their life was so radically transformed and changed by the Word of God, by the message that they heard, by this saving faith that they have, that they altered and changed their lives to make that the priority. What we seem to have done in the American church today is this. We fit Sundays in the best we can. And then everything else in our normal week is what takes priority. Whatever that may look like. We don't revolve our lives around God anymore. And we don't revolve our lives around what the Lord has asked us to do. 
we just kind of fit that in when we can. You remember the, the example I gave you just a little bit ago of the pastors that are so busy that I'll call and say, hey, you want to go for lunch? And they'll say, I don't know that I've got 30 minutes to fit you in. That's kind of how we live our lives with the Lord right now. It's like, God, I'm so busy this week, but I'll try to fit you in wherever I can. Guys, that's, that's not how the creator of the universe is to be viewed and treated. What we're doing is we're telling the creator of the universe, I got a lot going on this week, and, and if I can find time for you, I will. But other, if I can't, will you still bless me? Will you still make sure that my family's healthy? Will you still make sure that everything runs right for me? See, do we realize the way that we're living our Christian lives and how that we are talking and treating the creator of the universe, the author of our salvation? I don't know that we really realize it. I don't know that we really realize how that we have allowed so many things in our lives to take precedence over our walk with the Lord. Right now, what we've done is we're, we're trying to have convenient Christianity. What we're doing is we're just trying to find ways to fit Jesus in the best we can. And we do that with the sermons we listen to driving down the road or the praise and worship music and all that. Listen, that's great. I'm not knocking it. I'm not saying you shouldn't listen to sermons while you're driving down the road. I'm not saying you shouldn't listen to praise and worship music. But if you're putting your emphasis on the sermon you're listening to by yourself while you're driving down the road, or the praise music you're listening to by yourself while you're driving down the road, and you're saying that you're getting enough there and you don't have to fellowship with other brothers and sisters in Christ, you're wrong. The passage we read in the book of Acts tells us that. We were built for fellowship. We were built for relationship. We were built for communion. The whole idea of the Christian walk is to do it together. To do it with the Lord as our focal point and do it with our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ in order <coughs> to be an encouragement to each other. But what it seems like we're finding is that this level of busyness has just captured the hearts of so many people. And I'm going to go back to a statement that I made a little bit earlier. And I want you to, to really think about this for a moment. Are you really that busy? Or are you just being that busy because that's what you think you're supposed to do? Because see, I, I think that Satan will, Satan will let you put as many things on your plate as you want to. He'll let you be as busy as you want to be. He'll let you find every possible uh, scenario that you can get yourself involved in. And he'll let you fill up your schedule so fast you won't even figure out, do I have 30 seconds to just breathe? He'll let you do that. Why? Because... He can keep you so busy that you don't have time to serve the Lord. And guess what? Are the things that you're doing really that bad? No. It's not like you're out there 
you know, dealing drugs and, and you're out there living, you know, this debaucherous lifestyle and you're out there, you know, scamming people and you're not doing bad things. You're not doing these horrible things. You're just too busy to need God. That's all Satan wants you to do. Satan just wants you to be so busy that you don't need God. He wants you to be so busy that God is an afterthought in your life. God is someone who you find time to fit in to your busy schedule. Because you know what? You're doing good. Financially, you're blessed. Your family's healthy. Everything seems to be going well. So if your family's blessed and financially you're blessed, and all of these, apparently God must be just blessing you mightily. And so when we look at that, we look at the financial blessings, we look at our family blessings, we look at our health blessings, we just kind of say, well, if I'm being blessed in every area, apparently I'm living my Christian life right. Not necessarily. Not necessarily. See, you could be having a good life financially. You could have a good life with your family healthy. And you can convince yourself that you're a follower of Christ, but does your actions and your time investment actually prove that you're a follower of Christ? Or does your actions and time investment just show that you're a person that has religion in your life? And I think that's where we're at in the American church today is we have a lot of people that are very religious. We have a lot of people that... When they get hot for Jesus, man, they're hot for that one Sunday that they're there. But if you look at their real, I mean, you look at their life, you look at their time investment, you look at all of these things, you realize that Jesus really isn't a priority to them. So I'm going to ask you today, if you're listening, is Jesus really a priority to you? And I'll take it a step further. If I were to follow you around in a normal day, does your life and the the investment of time that you put into your walk with the Lord, does it really show that Jesus is a priority? I'll take it a step further for one of the things I think is vitally important. And this is one of the things that I'll say concerning the kids. Kids are watching their parents and whatever their parents deem important, the kids deem important. If parents believe that they don't need to go to church on a regular basis in order to fellowship with each other, in order to do things, and parents can skip and miss three, four Sundays in a row and not think it's a a problem, I promise you this, your kids are never going to see church as a priority. Your kids are never going to see serving Jesus as a priority because what they're going to see is that, well, mom and dad, they believe you can just go to church once every four or five weeks and it's not a big deal. So apparently, you know, I don't need to go to church regularly. So when they grow up, they're going to realize church is not a priority. They're going to realize fellowship is not a priority. They're just going to look at the model that their parents laid in front of them of church being an option. Fellowship being an option. And they're going to follow that. That's why it's so vitally important for our children to see us invest our time in eternal things, in things that matter. Is that what, if you have children, is that what your children are seeing? Is that what your spouse is seeing? 
Is that what family members that you're trying to share the gospel with and lead to the Lord, is that what they're seeing in your life? Don't settle for the good things. Pursue the best. See, Satan will want you to just settle. That's why he'll make you so busy that serving the Lord and doing things for the Lord, it, it's just an option. You know, you're just so busy. You, you've not done anything bad this week. You, you've been so busy, you're tired. You can stay home Sunday. You don't have to worry about it. You don't have to serve the Lord. You don't have to, to do anything. And what happens is we just get into such a routine of, yeah, I'm a good person and I do good things. But you know what I am? I'm tired and I, this is the only day I got to rest. And we start realizing that now serving the Lord becomes more of an option. And all of our extracurriculars begin to take precedence in our lives. Whatever that extracurricular may be for you. Because you know what? Sometimes the extracurricular for people is their work. Because they're obsessed with money. So it's not just extracurriculars like we think of hobbies or sports or whatever it may be. Extracurriculars are anything that we invest our time in that takes us away from the Lord. So I pray this has been a challenge to you. I pray that it's caused you to think about some things. But I also pray that it moves you to do something about it, that it just doesn't make you sit down and say, wow, you know, maybe that is something. But you're actually willing to do something about it. You're willing to look at your time investment and say, hey, I need to get my priorities lined out. Most of all, maybe you have never accepted Jesus as your personal Savior. Can I encourage you to, to understand and know that Jesus loved you enough that while you were still a sinner, Christ died for you? He died and paid your sin debt even when you weren't looking for Him. And the idea of salvation, it's taken care of because He said it's finished. The only thing we have to do is come to a point where we recognize I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. And we repent of our sins and we ask Jesus to be Lord of our lives. I encourage you to find somebody today if you want to message me or find somebody today to talk to if you want to find out more about salvation. And I pray that if this has been a blessing to you that you share this with somebody today. I pray that you would leave a five-star rating and a review be able to help it get out there a little bit more. And I pray that it's encouraged you and challenged you and given you some things to think about. We look forward to being back together next week in our time here on this podcast.